Welcome to episode 12 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I'm Anisha Motwani and I'm Narayan. As always, we'll pick up a norm that seems to sustain the status quo and come in the way of businesses moving forward. What is a norm and why is it worth storming? These are some of the basic questions we'll pick up and identify and try to answer for you. Uh, in the discussion that follows but the main point of this is to identify the things that come in the way of businesses moving forward succeeding growing in unexpected ways in today's episode we'll look at one such norm again and anisha i'll begin by speaking a little in circles even knowing the phenomenal expertise of our guest expert today on the norm at hand i keep staring at this norm and think what is the best you can do with this norm i mean is it really stormable or is it only amenable to a bit of pushing narayan that's not speaking in circles that's actually speaking in riddles for me <laughs> sorry sorry anisha I, i couldn't help it okay let me spit out the norm okay we, i know we've articulated in a couple of ways the norm is that supply chains are purpose built for an individuals or for an individual businesses needs and therefore inflexible in other words supply chains are built with full time cost for part time use And here I go again. I'm staring at this now once more and thinking, what exactly is wrong with that? If a system is built to suit an individual business's needs, that seems logical and right. And as for that full-time cost and part-time use thing, I mean, so many other parts of an organization share that characteristic too. When you put it like that, Narayan, it feels like the norm is what it is, and it doesn't need storming. But since when have we been satisfied with accepting the status quo? Now you're talking. Maybe you can begin with why this norm is right for storming in this particular moment, even though it's probably been begging to be stormed for some time. Just look around you. Every company and every consultancy is talking about how D to C or the direct to consumer model will take precedence over all existing distribution models. And this is not just in the realm of physical goods, but also in services and even experiences to some extent. But that's such a vast topic that maybe it merits another full episode anisha now that you mention it i'm conscious of the buzz around companies wanting to circumvent existing supply chain limitations cutting the cost and time to reach customers and figure out ways to generate more value for customers and for themselves indeed you know success of businesses today is so inextricably linked to the performance of supply chains supply chains are like the backbone or the spine of any business so it's not surprising that every sector from fmcg to insurance and not just the e-commerce marketplaces are looking to evolve to this next new normal thinking about it now um i can see how capacity utilization time and cost efficiency safety and compliance i can see these are some of the parameters along with improvements to the supply chain have been possible are you saying there's a lot more to it yeah that's exactly what i'm saying narayan Why have companies stayed with these fixed notions for so long? Why should supply chains be built only for limited purpose of in-house use? Why should they be so rigid and inflexible? Why should their costs be full-time? Why should their use only be part-time? We've seen the shared economy disrupting so many different categories and we've seen the principles of the shared economy create new age logistics companies. how then can companies storm their supply chains without outsourcing it to logistics marketplaces 
you ask the tough questions as always anisha and I, and and i believe we have just the right person to not just answer them but to storm this norm and how i think you'd agree this seems like the right moment to introduce our guest expert for the day mr s shivakumar shiv is the group head of agri and it businesses of itc a 30 year veteran in the company shiv is a norm stormer in many ways and among his many path breaking achievements is guiding the creation and evolution of itc's benchmark setting ichopal so shiv once again thank you so much for for being here on the podcast with us welcome shiv it's a pleasure to have you with us equally a pleasure is mine looking forward to the conversation and and the norm we wanted to pick your brains on is to do with how such supply chains are built for part time use but actually have full time cost implications right so uh, if if i may if i may say uh, supply chains are purpose built and inflexible uh, that seems to be a norm for the most part and we wanted to start off by first getting your take on the norm and then seeing how we could possibly storm that great uh, i think it's a interesting uh, name you have for the platform storm the norm but reflecting on uh, what we do uh, it occurred to me that uh, storming has been our norm on the 20th of june uh, this year we'll be completing 20 years of uh, itc ichopal in the first instance in the year 1999 when we conceived and eventually rolled out in 20, 2000 we stormed what are the norm and then stormed four times over in these 20 years and uh, the journey continues so certainly one dimension uh, that you mentioned is uh, custom built for a part time use and a full time cost is a norm that we could certainly look at but uh, expanding the scope of usage and uh, redesigning cost structures and revenue models all of these really get into uh, how does one storm a supply chain so the, i'll pick up on what you just said right i mean there seem to be a few contours around which uh, the inflexibility uh, and the and the purpose purposive nature of building supply chains seem to be uh, structured around but i think first i'd like to hear on on what makes the supply chain inflexible for most people for most organizations see if you again use uh, agri as an example and it is of course relevant for across different supply chains uh, right after india got independence food was a major challenge and we were almost living ship to mouth with imported grain and uh, so india set about producing more and uh, taking it to the market and distributing more through what is largely defined as a production driven supply chain we just need to produce mm. more and then take it to market to mm. achieve the self sufficiency in food mm. so as a result the entire uh, system was not so demand responsive at a micro level and uh, we said as we were looking at our consumer brands and you see the variation in the consumer needs these supply chains were never supporting that kind of a market opportunity so we said we must make the supply chains more demand responsive and uh, two insights helped that really formulated what we call reach of all 1.0 is uh, that uh, one price discovery has to happen at the home for the farmer to be able to then uh, produce and then uh, sell to different sets of uh, customers and uh, for the first time in uh, the late 90s as internet became more common Uh, it was possible for us to conceive uh, a system like that you bring 
enterprise discovery to home and of course goes along with that is a quality testing and we needed to create a human infrastructure around that to do the quality testing and so on and more importantly figure out that in the absence of certain physical infrastructure how our intermediaries make up conventionally called middlemen uh, and uh, how do how they make up for the lack of infrastructure co-op them into the supply chain and then reverse the entire flow of information and market signals such that the supply chains became more demand responsive and uh, the bigger innovation there was uh, how do you pay for all this infrastructure that you're putting in place part of it of course you can uh, recover through uh, lower cost if you're able to do and part of it through a larger value through differentiated consumer offerings that you do and so on and uh, therefore revenue model innovation becomes another uh, dimension that you need to factor in so that's how what was a production driven supply chains got repurposed through the ejopal 1.0 into demand responsive value chains i mean it's telling that uh, you know in this first level evolution from a production driven supply chain to a demand responsive value chain that happened about 20 years back uh, and since then it sounds like if that was version 1.0 there's obviously been other evolutions but it's telling that it is still called a supply chain and not a demand chain okay so it it, it actually evolved from a value chain the 2.0 was uh, how the value chains evolved into platforms yeah so platforms helped reverse flow of goods and services into villages it became mm. a rural marketing services mm. and platforms also meant we were orchestrating something and then multiple players who wanted to bring goods and services into rural then plugged and played into this mm. 3.0 uh, together with some of those partners Hmm. we then looked at ourselves as uh, an ecosystem and then started offering the whole ecosystem as a service and uh, that went on for together with let's say weather forecasting service as well as the farm technology service hmm. uh, we had uh, somebody and and actually multiple players offering uh, farm mechanization services on hire to the small farm that's an example of ecosystem as a service Mm. Uh, and then in uh, what we now call 4.0 is uh, as we enhanced the digital quotient in the whole network uh, while internet was inevitable even in uh, integral part even in 1.0 the digital quotient increased a lot more today with further developments now and now it's it's a true meta market mm. uh, that we are able to put together and uh, so therefore supply chains evolved into platform uh, value chains and platforms and ecosystem and now into what we call a meta market so up so this is phenomenal you know what you're talking about and these version controls of supply chain and the innovations that you all have brought about why isn't it that many other industries whether it is manufacturing whether it is fmcg whether it is service industries why is it that their supply chains are also at this point in time still limited exclusive use to their own product and service consumptions why is it that many many companies still have not evolved to that level so i think crux of the issue like i was responding to the 1.0 innovation is also in terms of how do you really construct business models and uh, make profits out of componentizing your uh, chains uh, you you hard code a chain and say you know in terms of i make something i sell something there is a business model in terms of how i make money out of it uh, as a commercial enterprise and uh, so that's where it stops typically mm-hmm. if you say that i open up then how do i make money out of it what is the right method of charging and a bigger challenge which also comes out of doing it is how i actually uh, 
re-optimize the resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if some of those resources are third-party resources who take their own calls on what is of a higher priority to them. Mm. If we went to, let's say, for example, the, the 2.0 example, when we converted this into a platform, mm-hmm. we were obviously bringing various products and services into rural markets. And the each of our Sanchalaks, who are the local human capital in the village, who are providing access to the digital infrastructure that we had created there, are their own volition uh, micro-entrepreneurs. And uh, they say that, okay, this business is more attractive for me, and therefore I'll spend more time on that as opposed to something else. Mm-hmm. Now, as a system, you will not be able to orchestrate unless you are able to align that incentive mm-hmm. appropriately and see that what is good for the partner, what is good for the system as a whole, and of course, what is good for this entrepreneur. And all of this becomes a consumer-centric so that everything gets aligned to that. So componentizing your network to be able to do all this mm-hmm. requires a lot of innovation. Otherwise, you can, of course, uh, control. Another great example of uh, platformizing, but retaining everything in some sense inside, is uh, ITC's own trade marketing and distribution system. It's been built over decades mm-hmm. and optimized for cigarettes. But as uh, ITC looked at this as a platform and said that here is an opportunity for us to leverage those kind of capabilities, every component of what is in the system, and uh, make it available as a highway to move uh, various other categories in the first instance of at least the, the FMCG products, uh, whether it is uh, foods and several categories within that staples like uh, ATA to uh, uh, the high-end uh, like the chocolates uh, or even the uh, frozen uh, in terms of uh, the, the whole business gets managed there. Our personal care, our uh, education, stationary products, are the matches and agarbatis. So it's, it's, them, it's actually servicing multiple businesses, but inside ITC group, so there is a limited level of control on how the revenue models are redesigned for something like that. So I think that innovation to leverage uh, on what you can support as a componentization from the architecture point of view. Componentization not necessarily just as the IT part of it, but even the entire uh, physical piece in terms of how is a salesperson's time divided, uh, how mm-hmm. is the retailer's uh, attention grabbed, what mm. level of salience you give in different sub-channels. All of these need to get componentized and must mm. continuously get orchestrated. And then you figure out a way as to how is it a proposition to the consumer in the end. And then how do I ensure that I make money out of all of this? I think that becomes a, a major challenge of innovation to be able to storm this thing of saying that how do I repurpose or multi-purpose whatever that I've built. How did you overcome these challenges? The whole organization design we, we have redone and made it what we call the community-centric innovation. So if I may uh, recap, you know, the, the components or the factors that can help storm this norm of having supply chains be only purpose-built and inflexible. You started off by saying move from being production-driven to more demand-responsive. Uh, and then from there, evol- evolving into a platform where goods and the services and demand and supply flow in multiple directions. And then from there, for me, uh, the jump to the ecosystem as a service seems like the most complex given the number of unwieldy factors that are involved. How do you get to that ecosystem as a service? You need to create that platform and then evolve into an ecosystem with a few partners and create ground rules of how uh, the risks and rewards get shared on this. Because I make an investment now, if I get a return five years later, there are certain type of people who will be willing to do it who should get a larger share of the value that is getting created. So many of these governance issues need to get sorted out Mm. before you transform your supply chains into meta markets. 
you obviously need uh, a central platform orchestrator and thereafter it is not as much as a purpose built but you say you create uh, a platform and an ecosystem on which you are platformizing problems and opportunities and an iterative solutioning by mm. all the partners who are doing it together so this is mm. of course a very software centric concept mm. but as transposed into a hybrid uh, or what we call a physical model of there is mm. a lot of physical uh, change which are involved there is a lot of digital engagement so the new platforms of intelligence in, in 4.0 really is that it's a data so we converted right. what was conventionally a last mile right. to the first mile by having this data of the consumers and then sharing with rest of the network for them to personalize their offers so right. that's the configuration of the uh, meta market or an ecosystem i think we really got more than we have to do that and, uh, thanks a lot it was an engaging conversation thank you my anisha i dare say that was a masterclass in storming a norm at least for the subject at hand shivs insights were so truly phenomenal especially because they are all from first hand experience application and continuous evolution you know when a person has done it okay and is not just talking academically and that's what shiv you know brought to this episode absolutely right i'm trying to wrap my head around everything he said and the need for continuous evolution was certainly one of them but i guess the thing that stood out for me above all was that storming the supply chain norm is not a one time project but an always on organization wide way of being that takes all kinds of stakeholders internal external into account when you externally look at the gamut you have customers suppliers intermediaries marketplaces internally all functions from r&d to production to finance to it to marketing to management and across multiple sbus and the outcome the focus always on the outcome not to merely get an efficient supply chain system but to create an iteratively better value chain i'm going to repeat that word value chain that serves customers and the business today and sets benchmarks for tomorrow indeed actually shiv was comprehensive in identifying the challenges and limitations of the norm and equally expensive in storming it the question to my mind is how can we take these insights and build powerful principles for others to emulate how can any business storm their supply chain norms and succeed in the face of disruption i am all ears anisha i mean this is the part that excites me what stn hacks do you have for businesses today well they come from the fundamental question i posed in the beginning of this episode and let me take it one by one supply chains have to become full time use and full time value okay the days of part time use and full time value supply chains are gone because the inefficiencies that you build in today's balance sheets will not be able to afford those kind of inefficiencies if you're truly about value creation for many stakeholders you have to create a shared operating model that distributes costs so that you don't have to bear it all you have to first begin by auditing all components of the supply chain to understand capacity utilization and the redundancies and accordingly wherever whichever component of your supply chain has got a redundancy you have to create flexibility in it by making it a plug and play shared model where excess and unutilized capacity can be made available either to your in-house divisions or to complementary products and services outside so fungible interdepartmental 
Inter-business supply chains is the best way to move your supply chains from part-time use, full-time cost to full-time use, full-time value. I love how the word value keeps coming back, including with your very first hack. The next one is to, you know, it's important that maybe some parts, and it's linked in many ways to what I said in the, at a component level of every supply chain. Maybe not every business actually should own every part of the supply chain. You have to look at reducing your lead times by outsourcing some parts of the supply chain if there is not full utility available to have it in-house. So sometimes if you see physical supply chain processes such as warehousing and transportation are often not fast or flexible enough to cope with the large number of smaller orders that Omnichannel requires. So sometimes it's prudent to consider outsourcing certain components of the supply chain like transportation, warehouse, to a network supply chain player. I love it. You don't have to do it all yourself. The third one, which is the most important part, is the organization structures. Do you have an enabling organization structure that supports fungible supply chains? And I think Shiv spoke about this when when he said that when you have to make the responsibility of the supply chain only with the supply chain function of your organization, then it starts creating bottlenecks. So you have to remove operating silos from across the departments and foster cross-functional collaboration to ensure all stakeholders are aligned towards a common goal of creating and deriving more value from supply chain. You know how they say a chain is only as strong as its weakest link? I think what you've just done is paraphrase this to say your supply chain is only as strong as your organizational structure is flexible. Exactly. So the minute you weave in design thinking and advance automation in your supply chains, what you will be able to do is you will get a visibility to ensure that where is the inventory flow happening at any given point in time. Customers have never been more demanding in terms of immediacy and level of personalization they expect. And this does require the use of technology that enables visibility and ensures agility of inventory flow through the supply chain at any given point in time. And equally important is website optimization with smart use of SEO, which is search engine optimization, to ensure the right front-end strategy. And that is important to manage the rising customer expectations of not just speed, but also convenience and experience. In other words, marry just in time with just right for me. Absolutely. And the last hack for me, which has become the new age expectation, is two-way supply chains. In the e-commerce world, we see it all the time. So is your supply chain, it's a one-way supply chain from production to market and not the other way around? In the e-commerce era, it's absolutely critical to optimize your supply chain components for both delivery and reverse by use of smart data analytics. You should know who are the customers who are more amenable to returning. Do you have a kind of a flow back mechanism and using the same supply chain? So make sure that when you're planning your supply chain, it's not just one way, but it is a two-way supply chain. Wow, that's a lot to chew, but I'm going to try to quickly summarize the five hacks that you just uh, elaborated on, Anisha. The first one, make your supply chain full-time use and full value. The second, this is critical, you don't have to do all of it yourself, outsource parts of your supply chain. Third, your supply chain is only as strong as your organizational structure is flexible. The fourth, through design thinking and advanced automation, 
make sure you deliver just in time and just right for me. And the last, for me, this is just summing up everything so brilliantly. The last one is create two-way value highways and not just one-way supply chains. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but this has been quite eye-opening for me. And I'm already thinking of not just how these STN hacks are applicable to supply chain norms across sectors, but also to other aspects of businesses altogether. I think that's a good place to wrap up episode 12 of Storm the Norm, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've, we've got a good guess. We've covered a very relevant topic today and we've given some very practical hacks to businesses to storm that norm. Well, in that case, this is Narayan. And Anisha. Signing off for now. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud by just searching for Storm the Norm. We'll be back with a new episode shortly. Thank you and talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.